0: watched life force and i admitted that if that sexy space vampire had told me to betray all of humanity and come away with her
1: that i absolutely would have i absolutely remember that yes yeah does this make you (laughs) reconsider that or make you think oh no i'm doubling down
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think we've learned that with any kind of sexy vampire i will immediately betray every human on earth so just heads up everybody what is it about vampires? Is
1: it their ability to suck that pulls you in? <laughs> I think I think it's just the sexiness of these particular vampires. Oh, okay, so yeah. it has nothing to do with their blood. I'd be worried emails. about biting. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you're into biting, and you just don't know. I'm not into d- biting. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Uh good point.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you sure, don't know yet. Tried you, it. Yeah, so there you go. file <laughs> we'll that one away <laughs> for later. <laughs> Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper <laughs> and I'm Nolan. And today we are discussing yet another sexy vampire in Tales from the Crypt
1: Bordello of Blood. Yes, the Crypt Keeper is back. We did a Crypt Keeper movie on our first season. Starring the incomparable <laughs> Shit, I Billy have brought Zane, it up. Shouldn't have brought it which up. I
0: think this movie, I, you know, we're going to do our thoughts later, but this movie really suffered for Billy Zane not being a part of it.
1: Yeah. Dennis Miller was no Billy Zane to you. Is that oh, what the problem is? come on. Yeah. Is,
0: he, is he ever? <laughs> maybe in like, you're talking comedy. Maybe I'd prefer yeah. to hear Dennis Miller than Billy Zane, but Jesus. Oh my, I think that was a big moment for you. That was a lot to
1: just say that line. To admit that. Yeah.
0: Although Billy Zane was pretty funny in the Back to the Future fuck. movies. fuck, okay. A All right, no, okay. okay. Um, yeah, this is the second Tales from the Crypt movie. It was supposed to lead to another one which did not end up happening. It's like, again, we're in that weird kind of like mix of is it a horror? Is it a comedy? I feel like we've been in this kind of wheelhouse a lot this season.
1: Yeah, these are ones that always play well on our podcast because usually having like no direction in either comedy or horror leads it to be a pretty bad movie. <laughs> but yeah. that being said, also tends to lend some enjoyability.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, God knows the horror genre has plenty of things that could be met talked about in our podcast. When you mix it in a little comedy, we kind of want that good time. We don't want them to take it too seriously. At least I don't. I can't speak for you. But that's what we've got today. It's the classic Tales from the Crypt blend of, you know, spooky elements and some kind of cheesy, like, dad humor. Uh, (laughs) Is that basically what the Crypt Keeper delivers for you? Oh, my God. He's all dad jokes. Do you know this? We've talked about this before. If you haven't listened to our first season episode on Tales from the Crypt Demon Night, give it a listen. It's worth it. Especially if you want to hear, uh, like, 40 minutes of me just (laughs) bleeping Billy Zane. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't want to hear 40 minutes of
1: you bleeping Billy Zane.
0: Well, also the amazing feat of you being wildly incorrect when you didn't believe that he was the original lead in Dirty Dancing, which I still think. I mean, you know, RIP Patrick Swayze, but Billy Zane in Dirty Dancing, that's the kind of movie I could get behind. (laughs) There's no
1: way that Dirty Dancing would have been better with Billy Zane. I mean, I'll never admit
0: that for as long as I live. Speaking of things that should be enjoyable and fit right into our podcast, this beer that we are drinking today while we talk about this movie, I mean... We've had we've been on fire with connections. I feel, and this is another in a long line of great, great beer connections. What do we got today, Noel?
1: This one is again another slam dunk. There's been a lot of those this season. I don't know if we are getting better at finding beers that match, but this one's called Ales from the Crypt. So, oh, come on, yeah, you can't get much better. The picture on it is a version of the Crypt Keeper. What's well, the comic book? The classic comic book cover would
0: always have the. Tales from the Crypt kind of banner and then it's some little three little kind of bubbles featuring hints about the stories and what's inside. But yes, we've got a cartoon of the Crypt Keeper. And best of all for me, this beer is a fruited sour. Oh my god. We got a black currant
1: sour. Cooper's fully erect. Both from the beer and from the sexy (laughs) vampire. Yeah. So we're here. This is from Chronicle Brewing Company. They're out of Bowmanville, Ontario. Uh, I've actually stopped off here twice and drank a lot of their beers lately. Their symbol for their brewery is a D20, which fits really well with the sort of rating scale that we have on our podcast too. So RIT20. Yes, thank you. So we love the beer that are put out by Chronicle. They have a lot of pop culture, a lot of D&D movie related content. They've got beers related to aliens. They've got beers related to Star Wars. They've got some Pokemon related beers. So all of their beers are kind of named after things that are right in our nerdish hearts. So uh, also, they're delicious. I have drank a lot of them. I've had this one before, and I'm looking forward to drinking it again. I think this is your first time. It is, and I see Black Currant Sour.
0: I love Black Currant flavor. I am just so thrilled to be trying this. And like you said, a lot of cool cultural references with their—of all the ones we've tried to match, this brewery, we've had this kind of earmarked for a while. This would be an easy one to connect to any number of movies— I'm glad that we're working in it here.
1: Yeah, we missed them a little bit on our Mars Attack episode. They they have a beer literally <laughs> named Mars and Attacks. Um, I, listen, Zap though was a good one. They use the the ray guns a lot, obviously. I'm not gonna go back and fucking oh our own oh beer no dresses. no no, it wasn't a bad choice. Um, and I'm glad we get to drink this one here. But Me too. Uh, but I think this is a brewery that we could easily work with and knock off like five to ten movies in a season kind of thing because they have so many of oh tons of options friends. yeah for sure if you have a chance definitely try some of the beers from chronicle brewery and uh we're gonna get into this one. Oh, oh i'm so excited let's do it
0: so we open with a flyover shot of tierra del
1: fuego which if i'm not mistaken translates to land of fire Ooh, that sounds ominous This seems high budget all of a sudden, right? As we are looking like we're going on an adventure quest of some kind. And we have a little person on a horse leading a crew of people through a jungle. I was going to say, that high budget stuff goes away real
0: soon. Uh, Yes. I'm not sure if he's leading them through the jungle or if they're leading him
1: through the jungle. But there's a couple of locals with him. I need to stop on this for a second. I got really excited upon seeing him on screen. Why is that? Do you know my favorite movie of all time? Is it labyrinth? No, that's a good okay. guess. It's yeah. in the, it's in a similar vein to that. It is a childhood like never ending it, story. It's not. It's also in that vein. Willow. Yes. You. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <laughs> so I just love the adventure story of the small person overcoming all of this evil. There's swashbuckling. Val Kilmer makes an appearance. You know, you do love Val Kilmer. Yeah, that I came do. up in our top ground episode. Yes. So. It's Vancor. This is one of the main characters from Willow. I'll have to take you. If I saw Willow, it was a long, long yeah. time ago. I don't remember. Really it well. excited. He's also a one of the main Ewoks in Star Wars.
0: Oh, that's something. Okay. Not that you
1: would know, but he uh, <laughs> well, has full costume on, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> not you I'm as like, a what person, That wasn't problem? insult. Yeah. I'm not trying to go at you here. I'm just saying they're all costumes, so you would have no idea. Regardless of who is guiding who on this little expedition. Vankor.
0: Regardless of who's guiding who on this expedition, once one of the locals realizes where they're going, he tells the little guy they would not have come with him if they knew ahead of time. So clearly this is a dangerous place. This guy starts whistling a different tune, though, when the little man promises to let him have a piece of whatever is buried at their final destination. Of course, what he doesn't hear or chooses to ignore is that the little man is also going to let it
1: have a piece of him. Ooh, Yeah, we're getting a little spooky here. I know that a lot of these movies have like different intros. I was waiting for the Crypt Keeper to come in. I was wondering if this whole... Just be patient. Be patient. Well, I agree. I was wondering if this whole scene was an elaborate way to find the crypt in some ways, right? I was wondering if this was a, a search for the crypt. But very quickly we find out, no, this is connected to our full story here. It sure is. Now to speed things
0: along, they skip all of the digging part and we immediately jump to inside the underground cavern where the local guy from earlier notices that what they found is less of a treasure chest and more of a
1: casket. Complete with fake cobwebs and multiple spiders. Yeah, there's a lot of tarantulas roaming around here. More than would probably habitate together. So they're definitely trying their best to make it. Oh, it looks spooky. fake as shit. Come oh, on. yeah. It doesn't look real at all. No. They look very tame and posed on there. I've held lots of those over the last, like, I don't know, few years. And they're, they're not scary in that no. way. So it's funny. But are the guys who are with him excited to see this casket, though? Not really. They're more confused. And when they open it up... Sure enough, they don't
0: find treasure. They find the decayed remains of someone who once lived. Someone named
1: Lilith. They couldn't have picked a scarier name. Like, come on. Well, I think in lore, Lilith is the mother of vampires. God damn it. All right, fine. So I'm sorry That's to fine. be that guy. but Bring your nerd background yeah, into this. Nerd, nerd lore dictates that Lilith is actually the mother of all vampires. So they are they're leaning into that. I think they're trying to see what people knew about it for this. Well, much like myself,
0: the locals are understandably unimpressed. (laughs) But the little person tells him that Lilith is no ordinary woman. He claims that she was the most evil woman the world has ever known. Not only that, but in his tiny hands, he holds a box containing all four pieces of her heart. Four pieces that were scattered across the world. And when he removes the metal dividers separating the pieces, they slowly combine together like a plasticine Voltron. And we get the first in a truly awful series of special effects.
1: I actually kind of like the. heart Oh my, my god, you know. god! Stop. I it. mean, it didn't look real. It was a no. No, it didn't. But I like the idea of having to separate her heart to keep her dead. And I thought that the box that they created and the idea that they would flow together was kind of cool. You're right that the effects sucked. Like, of course they were terrible. But they, they take that heart that is now formed together, and what does he do with it? Well,
0: our next round of shitty effects happens immediately after this, as he places the heart in the chest cavity of the corpse, and it like strings itself together i think it was literal string before lighting up a couple of times like a goddamn et and then powering down
1: <laughs> yeah it's true the the effect of it pulling itself together and then into her body was pretty rough but the powering down was the confusing part here it looks like the heart's working and she starts to bind together but really nothing's happening here right it, it just sort of she doesn't come alive and they're all kind of disappointed
0: oh my god absolutely The little guy, especially, is very upset. So he tells the locals to pack up the casket and they'll take it with them. But as soon as they close it, blood starts pouring out the bottom, which starts our third round of bad special effects as the casket gets reopened and we see Lilith's body start to reform. They do this with a bunch of dissolves from skeleton bones to slightly formed monster arms to somewhat fully formed monster arms. And I am not doing justice to how incredibly fake all of this looks.
1: You get one of those moments where they used to, like... Pour light out of the part of the body that seems to be transforming, and that's gonna convince people that something special is happening. And we see that going on here. To me, when she rises from the casket, we get the kind of low budget creature
0: effects you expect to see in 1986, not 1996.
1: <laughs> Come on. Tell me I'm not tell, yeah, tell me I'm lying. The transition is pretty rough. I'm not sure how much budget they had on those special effects, but I wish it was a little bit more. I do love the line that uh, our character says as this happens though he drops a i know how to turn a woman on oh there you go yeah. <laughs> and i thought it was pretty good the dad joke i'm saying yeah i loved it as he he set that one up that was right in my alley and Lilith comes to life And so do your pants <laughs> Not at this
0: point She's still all grody looking But either way She quickly slaughters Two of the locals And is about to go For the little person But he's got an ace Up his sleeve The demon knight flash thing With the sweet blood Of Jesus From Tales from the Crypt Demon knight
1: Yeah got A little connection here That was a cool connection and, and it's got the blood In it And I guess that's what Controls Lilith So Well they
0: even throw A little wink Into the audience here Because the main local guy Asks what the hell is that And the little person says You don't get to the movies too often, do you? So it's definitely the same thing, which, as I thought about it, though, I guess that means Jada Pinkett didn't manage to last very long after the last movie, right? Because she had it at the end, and I guess now she must be dead or something. Also, does that make this little
1: guy the demon knight now? He's got the thing. It has to be. He is currently the demon knight. You're right. Uh, That's the only option, right, as it gets passed through. What we didn't get was a crossover, and maybe that's what number three was supposed to be, but never happened. That would have been cool. I'm sure they would have connected it
0: somehow. Regardless, like any demon, Lilith can't touch the key, but unlike any demon, apparently whoever possesses the key has total control over her, which seems like an odd power to bestow on the demon knight, but again, whatever. He orders her to kill the main local guy, and she does by jamming her long, firm tongue up his ass.
1: <laughs> I actually wrote this down because it was memorable. Memorable uh, is what yeah, we describe. Yeah, it, it was yeah. memorable for sure. So we've got her, mother of all vampires, tonguing asses to death, <laughs> and then we get our transition to the crib
0: keeper. Yeah, we get an immediate cut to a mummy describing her ripping the guy's face off. He's having lunch with the Crypt Keeper and it turns out it's a business lunch. I guess the Mummy is or was a film director. And what with the Crypt Keeper being in the movie business too, he doesn't think this tomb is big enough for the both of them. Now I have to ask, did you notice who the Mummy was? I did not. It's the same actor who played the main character in Demon Knight. It's Frank Breaker.
1: Oh, that's yeah. cool. I didn't know that. That's a neat nod.
0: For sure. Now, of course, this whole scene is the way for him to work in some Cryptkeeper jokes and to introduce the movie, which he does. And we see some words I've never seen in a movie before or since. Starring Dennis Miller.
1: <laughs> is this his only starring role, you think? Uh, oh, I'd
0: have to assume so. I don't know anything else he's been in,
1: man. But yeah, that, that movie career, a little short-lived. I thought it was pretty funny. I like that it was him in here. And... We'll get to talk about it more, but his role, he kind of fits the
0: part. Oh, I agree. Now, we do not start with him. We start with a hot lady riding a stationary bike. It's Baywatch alumni Erica Oleniak playing the role of Catherine. And to show us that she's a pure woman of strong moral virtue, they've got her working out to church sermons on tape. I'll get the heart rate going.
1: Yeah, this is weird. We get a very quick, like, salvation God message versus a trip to her brother's room who is listening to like death metal rock yeah and she hops off the bike to go
0: confront her brother we can tell that based on what you described the death metal in his leather jacket and piercings maybe the religion thing doesn't really run in the family here he's played by Corey feldman who's coming in
1: real hot that dude is just <laughs> chewing up the scenery here yeah um it took me a minute to place him i quickly searched it up and i was like oh it's Corey feldman he was laying into his character hard like if there is an overacting performance in this that award goes to Cory Feldman which is saying a lot compared to some of the performances that <laughs> it is are in it's saying him. a lot yeah, yeah definitely
0: he decides to leave the house against his sister's wishes to go to a bar with some friends and if you had to guess the average IQ of this crew where would you put it oh goodness
1: me um I think it's sub-80 for sure, which is not saying a whole lot. No, their idea of a good time is to throw darts at each other's balls. So suffice it to say, I don't think these guys met in med school. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) No, these are the type of crew who are looking for a way to fit in because all of the other traditional ways to fit in weren't working. They've done this, I think, by getting weird earrings and meeting (laughs) together. Yeah, and then meeting together at a shitty local bar.
0: And it is that after the waitress sasses them about how they should be trying to get laid instead of crushing beers and slapping each other. an even worse actor than them shows up to tell them about a place he knows where they can get the best piece of ass in the world. A place where the girls do stuff there aren't even names for. And despite the fact that this guy seems totally deranged and he gave him the address of a funeral home, Corey Feldman and one of his boys decides to go check it out.
1: Yeah, this is,
0: I mean... It was the world before the internet. What are you going to do?
1: Yeah, this guy at the bar who's giving them this info is completely unbelievable. He's just sort of fucked out of his mind, or he seems that way. And yet they decide, hey, we got nothing else on. Let's go for it. That was the way
0: it was in the 90s. When they get to the funeral home, they aren't sure about this, especially after the creepy old perv who answers the door tells them to climb into a coffin. But after he pulls a gun on them, they're slightly more receptive to getting in there.
1: I mean, would you rather get murdered and fall into that coffin or ride that coffin to your eventual death or c**t? <laughs> depending on the bordello Come that to you're to Jesus in. moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe. Uh, no, for
0: sure. You got to get in the coffin. That's the move. The coffin rolls down a track through some flames before coming to a sudden stop. They scream as the lid is lifted up to reveal a giant pair of
1: teeth. I was going to say <laughs> boobs, seriously, Yeah, that's boobs. all, that's, all yeah. that's in the shot. Yeah. Best scene in the movie, you said. this is the time where i immediately realized i hadn't seen this because those were new boobs for me uh i don't
0: know what to say about that sure sure enough they're in a room full of presumably hookers and we quickly see that they both have zero game feldman's trying to play it cool but the way they're talking to these women is that they've never seen a boob before
1: yeah i mean based on their appearance and the way they were acting in that bar i can imagine that they haven't as you said, this is pre-internet, so if they needed to see a real-life flesh-and-blood boob, it's unlikely that they had. Yeah, a bit of a dry spell for these guys, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh... Sarah Desert Territory, <laughs> you
0: mean. This is where we get to see Lilith in her fully restored glory.
1: It's Angie Everhart, who, if this wasn't her absolute peak, it's got to be close. Oh, I didn't even know who it was. That name is very familiar, but... Um... She was dating Joe Pesci for a long time. What? Hey, man, when you're famous, I don't know, yeah. you can just do whatever. That's
0: interesting, yeah. yeah. She's running the show here, and after one of her girls warms up Corey Feldman's friend, she uses her horse tongue to reach down his throat and push his heart out of his chest. And in classic Tales from the Crypt fashion, she delivers a super cringy line.
1: Don't eat your heart out, baby. That's my job. Oh, yeah, <laughs> That was not good. Um I don't know why these work more on me than you. Clearly, they're awful. Clearly, they're dad jokes. But I like that they are willing to go through with it. If you're going to lean into something, you got to lean all the way. Oh, yeah, they're leaning leaning in real hard, for sure. And that, to me, is admirable, I guess, in a way.
0: I respect that. I see what you're saying. I agree. After she's done there, she enters the room that Corey Feldman's in. We don't see what happens to him. But in our next scene, we find out that it probably wasn't anything good, as his sister is reporting him missing to the police. He's been missing for days, but apparently so have a bunch of other people, which is suspicious. So basically she'll have to get in line, which doesn't sit well with her or with the private investigator who just happens to be sitting in that same police station. It's Rafe Gutman, and one quarter of the way through this movie, we're finally getting Dennis Miller. Yeah,
1: turns out he's a private detective, and he offers up his services to help this very religious woman, find her sort of rocker troublemaker brother. Yeah, he takes her back to his office slash apartment slash hoarding den.
0: And in addition to checking her out, gets some basic information on her brother, his friends, and his usual haunts, which takes us back to the bar from earlier, where he finds the two living members of Corey's crew playing pool, kind of. He fishes for information while simultaneously firing off a barrage of insults and one-liners. And I have to be honest, I'm kind of feeling Dennis Miller here, especially if one of them asks him to step outside and he says, You know, Zeke, uh,
1: not right now. Just not in the mood for a bl- that <laughs> was fucking great. That was a pretty funny line. Much, um, yeah. Were you loving it when he called the indigenous guy Tonto? And oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> God damn it. I knew it. Yeah. As
0: soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, Noel's going to have a fucking problem with this.
1: Well, you love that scene. So I guess it's okay for you. He's and, funny. <laughs> he's a funny guy. Oh, no, I, I agree. I liked right. when he asked him to step outside. It was pretty funny. So we get lots of bad jokes. Oh, in it's, this not, it's not homophobic? It's homophobic, right? It, it probably is, yes. No, it's stopped. Uh, yeah. but uh, But I laughed at that part yeah. too. Um, We get all those bad jokes, but what does he decide to do? What does Dennis try to do?
0: Well, they do give him the address to the funeral home, so he heads there next, where a funeral appears to be in progress, and he takes a seat next to the same twitchy, weird biker guy who told Corey Feldman about the whorehouse. Now, just in case it wasn't obvious that he's a vampire like the hookers, he complains about how bright it is in there while also slathering sunscreen on his arms. Subtle.
1: Yeah, this character is got to be one of the worst in the entire movie. I think that they could have done a better job at finding something that would pull everything together, and they really didn't here. So we have this really shitty actor who they're overplaying. The vampire part is clearly obvious. And then we get a nice transition to... Maybe the most hilarious part in the entire movie, my favorite part. Are you talking about slick televangelist Jimmy
0: Current? Yes. Oh my God, I am. What a bonus connection to this beer. This is a black currant sour, and his oh, name is Jimmy Current.
1: Shit, that is right? amazing.
0: Holy crap. Oh, yeah. look at you just checking all the boxes this time. What can I say? Rafe Gutman witnesses some pallbearers struggling to carry an extremely heavy casket out of the funeral home. And from there, we cut to the aforementioned Jimmy Current delivering a sermon in front of a packed crowd and, of course, the TV cameras. He's also mixing in the occasional guitar chord because this guy isn't an ordinary minister.
1: He's a rocking minister. <laughs> <laughs> this performance made me laugh so hard. I was loving it. Just when he up the electric guitar for the solo? Oh, my God. And you get this giant devil who comes up behind him <laughs> in this animatronics happening in the background. And just the way that he leans in so hard to this role is fantastic. I mean, we've talked a lot on this podcast, maybe about some of my um, biases towards uh, organized religion. Um, So I enjoy when we get these kind of uh, experiences where... The movies are making it look as shambolic as I feel that it often is. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Now, aside
0: from reading the Reverend here, this scene also shows us two things. That Catherine works at the church, which I guess explains the sermons on tape. And that the little man who brought Lilith back to life is also affiliated with the church in some way. The preacher calls him Brother Vincent.
1: Yeah. For some reason, it seems like Brother Vincent is working for this preacher, right? It's working for... 100%. Yeah. Right? And... And it seems like maybe even the bringing Lilith back to life was at the sort of um, request of our preacher
0: here. It's very possible. Now, Rafe Gutman also stops by to tell Catherine about her brother and the whorehouse. And she basically decides to end the investigation. Gutman is disappointed by this as he happens to mention to a bartender how attractive she was. So I guess he's just disappointed he won't get to nail her. But luckily, if it's sexy's after, a certain twitchy vampire biker guy just happens to be at the same bar. And wouldn't you know it, he knows a place that Rafe can go.
1: <laughs> same guy, same spiel. Uh, it's time to go for the Cummings wake again. Yeah, now he tells him about this in between bites of raw hamburger.
0: So again, with the subtlety. But Dennis Miller realizes this might be his chance to find out where Corey Feldman is. So he heads to the funeral home. Turns out they're closed that night, but he does interrupt the funeral director molesting one of the cadavers. What the hell was this scene? Yeah, this is weird. I wrote
1: down that he was having way too much fun with the corpse. He was yes, like smacking a t- around. <laughs> he was, <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. It was really weird. I didn't like it. There's a line for me in fucking dead corpses. We that line? That's, yeah, that's the line for you. We're okay, getting yeah. there. We're getting there. The smacking of the t- was uncomfortable, but I'm worried that this is going to go other places. He doesn't seem to be a vampire. No, right? that, that, no, the funeral director. no. The funeral no. director isn't, but he's definitely in on this whole thing. Just so I'm clear, smacking a dead t- fine f- a dead corpse. That's where we're over the line. I mean, I didn't say fine right, okay. for <laughs> the, for the smacking. But I we're just... f***ing a dead corpse. Oh god, was... <laughs> over no the game? line. Yeah, over the okay, line. Fair yeah. enough. Any kind of penetration. What with if the corpse, corpse die with its mouth open and you just put your dick in its mouth? That's also problematic. It's like doing... problematic, but not over the line. <laughs>
0: Dennis Miller does manage to find something after creeping into the house. The skull earring that Corey Feldman was wearing in the picture that Catherine gave him. He makes his way over to the church to deliver it to her, who puts him back on the case, and that night he returns to take another shot at infiltrating some vampire vag, or at least the place where they work.
1: (laughs) He's looking really happy here. This is funny. He's looking just hilariously happy. The one thing that's standing out for me is Dennis Miller's hair. I don't know why but it's really high and really big but also kind of thinning at the same time it was one of those strange moments i was like do i have the same hair i was like <laughs> yours is not nearly voluminous enough yeah well Vol- yeah. voluminous how do you even say that word yeah anymore? i don't know
0: <laughs> so good news this time the funeral director lets him in and after taking the same coffin ride as Corey feldman he emerges in an even better sexual wonderland
1: this one has a conga line <laughs> <laughs> They're doing a conga line Yeah, this is interesting, right? This is such a I- interesting mess down here He gets into some interesting conversations And I don't, I don't know how much you want to share about what happens down here But he has a pretty fantastic line Or there's a pretty fantastic line down here Yeah, after catching the eye of the lovely Lilith Who quickly jumps
0: upstairs to murder the twitchy biker
1: Yeah, I just love a man who gives you a hand And lets you keep it
0: He manages to escape from one of the kill rooms after strapping a hooker named Tammy to some kind of medieval sex board slash torture device. Uh, One small problem, though, on the way out, his wallet falls out of his coat. Ooh,
1: that's just bad luck. Yeah, now they're going to know who he is and where he lives, and this is probably going to be a problem for him. Yeah, probably. Maybe. Just (laughs) Lilith wants him badly.
0: It turns out he has what she calls a a one-in-a-million, extremely rare and delicious blood type. And perhaps sensing this, Rafe Gutman rushes back to his office, loads his gun, and prepares to hunker down before they can find him. But too late, she's there immediately. So at this point, I'm like, is she a flying vampire, teleporting? How does she possibly get there mere seconds after
1: he does? If she's the mother of all vampires, she definitely should be able to fly and probably move at extreme speed. So this is something that, for me, wasn't a contextual problem. Why she's housed herself in a weird basement of a funeral home as a bordello instead of just taking what she wants in the world is the more problematic question to me. It's a good question for sure. Right. But uh, the fact that she's shown up here isn't. She shows up and because his blood is so valuable to her, I think she wants to keep him alive and suck him dry for a while. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, She's not going to kill him.
0: She tries to seduce him here, which again, absolutely would have worked on me, especially when she basically tries out different costumes, hairstyles, slash persona until she finds the sexiest one, whatever he likes. She even transforms into Catherine somehow. And this is maybe going to work. But just then the real Catherine shows up and is inexplicably upset that he's here at Thunder woman. Why would she be upset about this? She's known him for five minutes in one conversation with him.
1: I mean, yeah, and she didn't really like him, as far as we no. could tell. So it's pretty funny. The fact that she shows up and sees herself with him might be problematic, I guess. As we, that would seem kind oh, of weird. It's like a violation in some way. Yeah, that that, yeah, that in some ways would feel like a weird thing. But it's yeah, he, she, Lilith was really trying to find his fantasy. I guess for you, that sort of section was what made her the person who you'd give up the world for. I mean, she's fine on her own, but the fact that she's working so hard, it is rather appealing. <laughs> so what happens after uh, our <laughs> our sister runs out, uh, upset that Miller is now with a vampire? Well, she's going to the cops,
0: but if I were her, I wouldn't feel great about that, especially since the deputy she talks to is eating stew out of a can like a common hobo. <laughs> <laughs> I say eating, but he's mostly just slopping on himself. Dennis Miller points that out, too, when he says... Hey, could you possibly get just
1: a little bit of that fucking stew inside your head? Huh? Can we shoot for that? (laughs) (laughs) I like that line from him. Yeah. This is where he's done with uh, taking shit from everybody, and he's just giving it to everyone.
0: Yeah, and sure enough, when the deputy goes to check out the funeral home, he barely looks around before concluding that Dennis Miller made the whole thing up. But he didn't. As we see Lilith and Brother Vincent watching them leave, and we learn that the man behind this whole scheme is Reverend Current. Catherine's not going to like that. We also learn in this scene that Vincent is going to stupidly give Lilith the demon knight thing as she starts trying to turn him against the Reverend,
1: talking about how much more fun they'd have if he was out of the picture. She's luring him with her wiles right now. And of course, uh, does she succeed in uh, getting her to give her the key? Well, we'll find out later. But I mean, Reverend Curran seems like a pretty
0: fun guy, at least in the next scene, it seems like it. As a way to add some excitement to his next sermon, the reverend has his crew rig up a laser gun, the laser light oath the Lord, to blast a giant animatronic Satan. Not only that, but the laser beam comes out in the shape of a cross. I wonder if that's going to be important later. What do you think?
1: <laughs> yeah, it took me a minute when this first happened to be like, why are they spending so much time on this stupid laser beam? Um, but of course, I quickly grasped Before even we got there. Oh, good for you. I admit, I didn't see it coming all the way, but I knew it was going to be important. In the
0: meantime, Rafe Gutman is still trying to find evidence to help him crack this case, and he thinks he sees it when he once again witnesses six pallbearers struggling to carry a giant coffin from the funeral home. The only problem is, the person whose coffin it allegedly is, weighed 114 pounds when he died. So this does not track at all. He breaks into the place where the body is interred, looking for answers, and he finds them, The coffin also contains the body of the dead biker from earlier. They're smuggling out multiple bodies at a time to cut down on suspicion.
1: Yeah, this is how they're hiding all of the dead bodies that are not being consumed or, uh, I don't know, transformed by the vampires. Yeah, the ones they just want dead dead,
0: right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, while this is happening, we see that Brother Vincent has made his move against the reverend, breaking into his safe to steal the demon knight key. And how does the reverend respond?
1: By getting all dressed
0: up incognito
1: and going to a t- bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is funny when they, uh, the somehow plot of this movie heads over to the Spread Eagle. Uh, oh, bar. is that yeah. the name of it? Yeah, that's the oh, name I of the Oh my god, I missed that. That's funny. Yeah. Why did he need to go
0: there again? Well, he's really just there to try to get the key back from Brother Vincent. Don't ask me how he knew Vincent was there. But this goes about as badly as it could possibly go as the little man decides to smash it. Which means now nobody has control over Lilith what a dumb move this was keep the key for
1: yourself man it's the only way to guarantee she doesn't murder you uh but he was he was suckered in he thought if he did this he would have Lilith's undying love for for setting her free still you can guarantee it if you call the key right you want the control or do you want the i don't know yeah i just don't think that's the
0: move uh regardless we've got about 20 minutes to go in this movie and only now is one of the main characters finding out that there are vampires Rafe took pictures of the bodies in the coffins earlier but after getting the film developed which hey remember the 90s <laughs> getting film developed in the store yeah uh what a time he only sees one body in the casket not the body
1: of that dead vampire biker what's going on here there is more up i thought it was funny here that they were just figuring out that it's vampires at this point too it's very late in the game right yeah yeah, yeah. um it's also funny that This is a movie where we have to think about developing film because, yeah. I'm saying,
0: man, 90s '90s magic right there. Yeah. He goes to Catherine with this. She, of course, doesn't believe him. But after seeing that Angie Everhart is similarly invisible in the strip club video she shot earlier, she starts to think it might not be so crazy. Also adding to her suspicion, right then the phone rings and it's her brother. He tells her that he's in trouble and needs her help. He's at the old power plant, so that's where we're off to next. And what do we find there besides Corey Feldman? Meta jokes. As Dennis Miller surveys the spooky environment and says he feels like he's in a bad Tales from the Crypt episode.
1: Wow. Yeah, just dropping it right here. Just throwing it out there to the audience. Now, usually you like it when the title of the movie gets dropped. Did you enjoy that? Or is that well, he didn't say a- Bordello
0: of Blood if yeah. he had worked in the whole thing. I mean, it doesn't really count, but I get what you're saying. Uh, you know what else makes it seem like a bad Tales from the Crypt episode? The low-budget makeup they used to make Corey Feldman look like a vampire. And the (laughs) fact the director
1: did not rein him in here. He is just hamming it up, man. Yeah, Corey Feldman just has sort of... He must have worked, what, like two days on this entire shoot? And he just threw everything he had at those two days. He emptied the whole trunk. Yeah, Yeah, he was...
0: (laughs) For sure, man. They try to escape, and Gutman does, but kind of by accident... They swing across the gap between two platforms on chains. She lands safely, but his momentum carries him through a window, where he ends up unconscious on the hood of a waiting police car. Catherine gets grabbed by the Vincent and the funeral director, and once Rafe wakes up, he realizes he needs to rescue her. But before he can do that, he has to unstrap himself from a hospital bed and get past his old friend Tammy, who sneaks in, disguised as a nurse, and kills the deputy. What did you think about the way he disposed of her here?
1: Um, Is this the explosion where she kind of looks like a cake coming apart? That's right, yeah Yeah, yeah, I thought that it was pretty hilarious The effects that went on here I don't remember how he ended up exploding her though Just get the window open, sunlight, right? Ah, purely the window, yeah that's right, and it's pretty hilarious. I wrote down here "cake explosion" because that is exactly what it looks like. Definitely the budget here not really uh, where it should be. Hope on. Well, sort of except the- uh, how about the random Whoopi Goldberg cameo? How much <laughs> the budget they shoot on that? Yeah, that's where it all goes. What? Why is Whoopi here? What the fuck? <laughs> I don't know this came out of nowhere. Is she the person in the
0: bed next to him? In yeah, like she basically the, yeah.
1: tells him to shut the fuck up
0: because you <laughs> need too much noise She's trying to relax in the hospital.
1: You want to try to keep it down here, please? I'm trying to rest. I knew I should have taken that private room. I don't know, man. It was weird. That's a strange, like, out of nowhere. Yeah, was Whoopi really big at this time? Like, they were just like, oh, this Pretty is big, Whoopi. Pretty big. Mid, late there. 90s? She would have already done
0: Ghost. I think she fucking was an Oscar winner at this point. So, I don't like, know. That was a, Why?
1: Why did they sneak her in here? I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, this was a random cameo. Like, Very she had strange. to just be on set that day or something and just thought that this was funny. I'm not sure. But Maybe. uh but yeah, yeah a random whoopee uh, and weird vampire cake explosion for sure. Yeah.
0: Now, much like Rafe Gutman, Catherine wakes up strapped to something. But in her case, it's the medieval sex board slash torture device in the whorehouse. Her brother is there acting creepy as hell,
1: especially when Lilith decides to start groping her. He's kind of into this, right? Oh, he's definitely into it. He yeah. likes it when Lilith is starting to get... Uh, I think they said religious with his sister. Something like that. Now, sadly, before this can go the way
0: I want it to, the Reverend and Rafe show up, each armed with different weapons to take out the vampires. Uh, By weapons, you mean super soakers? That's right. They're super soakers (laughs) filled with holy water. Uh, And they mow through the harem, blowing up topless hookers left and right to the sweet sounds of ballroom blitz. There's actually some decent effects here, some melting flesh, gory explosions,
1: some decent green screen of the lower half of a hooker staggering around, spurting blood. This is a fun scene, man. Yeah, this one is kind of fun. I love Ballroom Blitz as a song, so for them to come in and clear house using that, it was obviously like kind of a poke and fun that they use super soakers to clear them all out, right? Yeah. They weren't taking themselves seriously here. Uh well you know what we see the same thing in from Dust till dawn the Quentin Tarantino thing they load up super soakers in the holy water so yeah which is funny which is hilarious right as a solution it's and effective
0: then, it seems effective yeah
1: they they so they start ripping through this uh, harem of women they do but unfortunately we know that killing Lilith isn't going to be
0: quite so easy they're gonna to have to get in close and cut her heart into four pieces. Fortunately, Dennis Miller finally gets Corey Feldman the fuck out of this movie when he blows a hole through his chest with a
1: super soaker. Good riddance. (laughs) All right, and is he in time to save Corey's sister, though? That's the important question. Well, that's what we need to find out. The Reverend has done
0: a pretty good job so far, but that all ends when he finds what he thinks is Catherine strapped to the board, but it's actually Lilith who ends up jamming a stake through his heart. Irony!
1: (laughs) J.C. goes down here. Uh, I forgot his initials were J.C. Goddamn. Yeah, he dealt. He dies and uh, tells everyone to let the world know. Tell the world my story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Rave shows up and tags her with
0: an axe, but that's not enough to kill her, and she vanishes. He grabs Catherine after first checking her for vampire punctures. Smart move. And they make their way to the church studio to tell the world about Lilith and the vampires. This does not go great at first, as the guy in charge of getting them on the air gets brutally murdered by Lilith, who then attempts to kill Catherine after handcuffing Rafe Gutman to a platform. But what Lilith doesn't realize is that platform also contains the controls for the laser light, oh the lord, which Rafe is able to charge up, aim, and fire using just his foot. And because it's cross-shaped, it cuts her heart into the requisite four pieces— which Catherine is able to punch out using some kind of trident.
1: <laughs> a lot of things going right here for, for Rafe Gutman, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, this last scene is pretty unbelievable. I mean, they've been lining this up for a while now, but it, it all goes to plan as he's they're able to, like just barely take out lilith well hang on i think it goes better than to plan like i don't think they were counting on the cross
0: laser cutting her heart into four pieces
1: yeah no i know yeah i guess that's true like it just is so convenient that it's it's ridiculous
0: all of this man he's able to make all this happen with one fucking foot like come on
1: what does Catherine say to lilith oh i have no fucking idea it's not a terrible line oh she just calls her a heartless bitch as she oh, like, yeah. punches it out and right on the we nose have her die right on the nose yeah
0: yeah, Lila's body disintegrates now, and these effects are pretty good too, actually. The next day at the funeral home, they wipe out the vampire threat once and for all by getting the pieces of her heart consecrated by a rabbi, which there's a wrinkle you rarely see in vampire movies. Yeah, I thought that was a funny solution to end it that way. I liked it. Uh, Rafe wearing
1: the yarmulke as well during the ceremony. Yeah. Is he yeah, is Jewish? You've been Jewish the whole movie? No, they haven't talked about it, but okay. I guess um, they're telling us he is. Okay, sure. At this point in the movie, which, uh, okay.
0: Yeah, and it sure seems like Catherine and Rafe are going to live happily ever after. They even get a little frisky in the car, but as Rafe starts lifting up her skirt, presumably to fing her, he notices that she's wearing an odd scent. He asks her,
1: It's not perfume you're wearing. It's not perfume. It's sunblock.
0: Oh, as he lifts her skirt a little higher, he finds two puncture marks and the fangs come out. We end the story with Rafe Gutman screaming, twist.
1: Yeah. We That's don't, all right, man. We don't get that happy ending that uh, I, they thought all along. Instead, we get uh, Dennis Miller devoured by uh, Catherine. Yeah, and I actually thought that this was a
0: better fit than Demon Knight for the Tales from the Crypt franchise because this ending is like how every episode of the show ended, right? The one Mm -hmm. character thinks they're in the clear and they find out they're still trapped or it's all a twist again.
1: So this, to me, really lined up better with what I remember the show being. Yeah, this felt right, right? Having that character who... Was kind of a, a lead character, but also there was something a little bit off about them. So you were okay with it ending on that sort of twist. Oh, yeah. Rafe Gutman's
0: not a good enough guy that I felt in any way like he had been cheated. I'm like, this is about the no, kind of ending this deserves. No, we kind of deserves, cheered yeah.
1: for this ending, right? Like, it was okay. It it was...
0: It's a fun twist. It's a cool little thing. He checks her, right? That's the thing. He checks her for Punxsworth in the CD, but he didn't check with like, the inner thigh. Yeah. Clever.
1: Clever. I mean... Lilith was clearly more interested in that part of Catherine's body <laughs> than he yeah. was her than she was her neck. So yep. uh, he checked the wrong place. He he had the wrong assumption about Lilith.
0: Yep, so that's curtains for Rafe Gutman, but we aren't done quite yet. We get the obligatory Crypt Keeper wrap up scene where he fires off some terrible dad jokes and we see that the mummy is down to just a head. Do you wanna do the end line or should I? Oh, you do it. Quit while you're ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's
1: all he has left.
0: Yeah, man, that's it. And we're into the credits at the 81 minute mark. Ooh, Ooh I don't know about
1: that. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I'm not someone who, like, for someone who's so anti padding as yourself, I would rather they end it here than uh, try to stretch it out another 10 minutes. That's fair. And, like, it, I will say it was pretty breezy. I don't, I didn't need. To your point, I didn't need it to be dragged out longer, but still, 81 minutes is a little bullshitty. <laughs> if you went to the theater, you'd be a little upset that you paid for that.
0: Well, that's tough because again,
1: like, you know, uh, there's nudity, so I, was I might say have, a fair amount of so you would have been fine, you would have been happy. The
0: me that could have seen this in theaters at like age 14 probably would have been fine with it. We should probably slide into the ratings right now. Uh, so, the way we always do this, rank on a scale of 1 to 10, two times 1 to 10 for how bad it is, 1 to 10 for how enjoyable. And the goal is to find movies that are 10 out of 10 on both scales, or as we call it, the Crit, Crit 20. 20. 20. And for me, I do not have this as a 10 bad. It's pretty bad, but I keep going back to like the whole point of the Tales from the Crit franchise and the fact that this would fit so well as an episode. I think it really accomplished what it came here to accomplish, like being this type of movie, representing that franchise. So I have it as an eight bad. There's plenty of bad stuff here. A lot of the effects are cheesy. Corey Feldman is a fucking disaster. He is just by far the worst part of this movie. And if I'm being honest, while you will never hear me complain about Angie Everhart, objectively it would be hard to call her a good actress. And also, 81 minutes, get the fuck out of here. Like, we're on the wrong side of 85 here. I can't respect that.
1: So, it is bad. I'm giving it nate. How did you feel about it? <laughs> That's fair. I support your points. I had trouble with the plot. I had trouble with the acting. I had trouble with the effects. I thought the sound was actually kind of poorly done. Really? There were some sound notes that I didn't really enjoy. No Wildcat this time, though. We didn't have the Wildcat I sound wish that was the in wildcat Demon was so there. Times, yeah. Oh, my God. I wish we had the Wildcat. I also thought a lot of the comedy came off fairly dated the dad joke stuff works on me but some of the other stuff um didn't feel as as right to me see i kind of disagree on that this kind of reminded me why
0: i like dennis miller like his comedy not his political views yeah uh let's be clear now he's playing dennis miller like it's not like you know he's putting on a character again it's kind of like they teleported him in from the weekend update
1: desk but he has some good lines i thought yeah that's true there were there were some points where his timing is good Right? Daniel oh, his timing's great. Yeah, really, really good. And so that comes up funny. But I, I did think it was a bad movie, too. I actually had it as a nine bad. Okay, so we're pretty close. Yeah. I actually,
0: going back to Dennis Miller thing, I actually, at one point, I wrote down here, was there even a script? Or were they
1: just like, hey, Dennis, just show up and bust on whatever's happening? I could believe that. I could believe them oh. just telling him, like, go ahead, shit on that. Absolutely. you could You could see that being the part. And I guess that adds to the bad, too, right? It seems like the writing was... Not so far. yeah <laughs> that's fair so okay so overall how enjoyable did you find this movie yeah um this is interesting because it's a movie i just said was horribly bad but again moved pretty well there was tons of laughs like yeah. a lot of laughs in this absolutely in- intentional a lot of them and unintentional a lot of them um it was uh interesting seeing the throwbacks to the first one Right. I like those little connections oh, yeah, that they yeah. built in. I like the Crypt Keeper start and end. I mean, again, if you're a fan of the series, you gotta Yeah, have them in And there. I and I used to be a fan of the series. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised that after these two that we've talked about, that they didn't make a third. Like I feel like it could have made money. Not that it they didn't. were good it movies, did not. but no, no bombed. Totally really. bombed. Yep. And I wonder why it was such a bomb. Because it didn't seem like they spent a ton of money making it, but maybe I'm nope. wrong on that. But I think
0: that might play into it. Also, like again I made the joke earlier, but like Dennis Miller, the movie star, not really a thing. He's yeah. fine this, but again, he's just playing Dennis Miller. Right. And it's like, you know,
1: but this movie was enjoyable enough that I felt like enough people would see it and be like, okay, were people like upset by the amount of nudity at the time? Like there was quite a bit of boobs and other I stuff, know, but nothing dude. seemed no. objectionable. That was a bonus, I guess, in my enjoyability factor. We've, we've complained about not having that pay off in other films <laughs> so, and that exists in this one. So I, I had it as a um, seven enjoyable. Oh, I would have guessed higher based on you.
0: Seem yeah, pretty I, I, I was with on the praise. fence for yeah. seven and eight. I was okay. like
1: right there between. I think it could go either way for me. Um, eight would have been fine too.
0: Okay, that's fair. Uh, I actually have it as a nine. Oh, wow. I just honestly, dude, I thought it was a solid mix of humor, nudity, and gore. I enjoyed it as a teenager and I enjoyed it again today. Like I, you know, that's where I'm at with this. Um My biggest problems with it, besides just the complete ridiculousness of the whole laser light deal, there were a lot of what seemed like limited actors in this in terms of experience and or talent. This probably won't come as a surprise to you, but I feel like they really could have used a pro like Billy Zane to carry some of the weight. (laughs) Would have really helped with that.
1: Um, Oh, my God. If Billy was in this, this would have been a 10 out of 10. No problem. This would have been a 20 (laughs) movie for you. No, that's probably not true. Uh, But again, it had a good mix of a lot of the elements that we were
0: kind of talking about. Back when we watched Chopper Chicks and Zombie Town, like it's got the kind of humor. It's got the kind of like a little bit of gore, the exploitative stuff without being like pure exploitation. But this one had the nudity that that movie didn't have. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's by no means perfect. It almost feels like it would have been better as like a Tales from the Crypt, like made for TV, like a television special. Just make it an hour. I mean, it basically was, again, yeah. 81 minutes, like that's an hour 20. That'd be 90 minutes of, tele- well, maybe a little more than 90 minutes of like TV time. But I don't know. As if, as if a As a theatrical release, I can understand why this bombed, but I still had a good time watching it. I'll probably watch it again. I've watched it a few times in my life. I can see myself 10 years from now being like, you
1: know what, let's take another look and probably enjoying it. How's Angie ever hurt today? I still would. So you go back to the well with uh, this movie and or Angie, but uh, how about this (laughs) beer?
0: (laughs) I would go back to the well with this beer. I enjoyed this, man. The Ales from the Crypt, Black Currant Sour. You know me, I'm a fruited sour man. So right away I was excited. And I like that Black Currant flavor, man. This was real
1: good. Yeah, Black Currant definitely takes the front seat in this one. Very tart, very current forward. Delicious, though. Kind of looks like blood, which works well in the movie we got there. It uh, was pretty red, yeah. Yeah, they got a really good color on it. Um, I have drank a whole lot of the Chronicle Brewery stuff. Yeah, you mentioned and, it at the beginning. yeah. And I have really enjoyed it. It tends to be a little bit on the strong side. In terms of alcohol and flavor, but uh, I'm not opposed to that. So this was what was this? This was not anything. uh No, this crazy. was just. Uh, I think this was only five and a half yeah. or something. Their IPAs tend to be six to seven percent, and those are always delicious. But I find those beers can sneak up on you. Those are the ones that you like have four or five, and then you're like, oh shit. What's creeping up on a double IPA if it's seven percent? No. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're not doubles, but they're just, I think a, a lot of though. IPAs are getting yeah. close to that in okay. their original, um, like some of my favorite beers are like six and a half percent. And then right. when you have that IPA, it catches up rather than a 5% beer, right? You, you sort of catch yourself off guard when you're hammered. At some point in the evening, and you didn't expect to get there.
0: Yeah. Either way, I would check out Chronicle again for sure. Really enjoyed this one. Ales from the Crib, Blackcurrant Sour.
1: If you get a chance, check out Chronicle. Where are they again? Bowmanville, Ontario. So uh, just on the other side of Toronto from us. So like Whippy, Oshawa Chronicle. area. Yes. Yeah. 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 All the, out that way. They're they're easy access from the highway. If you're ever driving past that area, heading out. Um, I guess, to Eastern Ontario, then uh, definitely worth stopping by. Really cool can art, too.
0: We already mentioned it for this one, but some of the other cans I've seen as well, the art is, like, really interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, they really nail the kind of themes that they go with, um, and they, they do a good job with their art, for sure. Speaking
0: of people doing a good job with their art, next week... We're going to spend a little more time with our good friend Rudy Ray Moore. Ooh, yeah. Yes. We're going back for a little more
1: RR Moore. Is it Disco Godfather? It is Disco yeah. Godfather. Oh, yeah. we've been talking about this one for quite a while. We've been yep. kind of limited on beer selection, but I know we got one lined up and ready to go. We
0: were actually supposed to watch this last season in season one with a beer from uh, Montreal, a brewery that you love. Yeah. Uh, producer John, who lives in Montreal acquired this beer for us. But then all the COVID stuff happened. We couldn't get to it or him. The beer went bad. So we had to push it. But we've finally been able to reacquire this. And so next week, it's going to be Rudy Ray Moore, the Disco Godfather. I mean, the title alone, if you've never seen it before, it had me excited before the first time I saw it. I'm assuming
1: you're excited right now. Yeah, I have no idea what this is about. But I'm imagining like the glory that is Rudy Ray Moore just tearing it up on the disco dance floors and (laughs) stomping some kind of evil or crime organization beaten or motherfuckers yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. this is
0: not an yeah. official dolomite movie but most people regard it as basically just like dolomite three okay so it's gonna i think it will be just fine that is going to be next week before then if you have not already please follow us on social media at the bmb podcast
1: on twitter and instagram Yeah, feel free to send any suggestions for beer and or movies into the DMs of our social media or an email at the bnbpodcast.gmail.com. Absolutely. We always love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on
0: Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it bloody. Didn't you already use that for theater of blood? Keep
1: it Miller time. (laughs) Evil Bites.